You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. So I'll give our attention to the reading of God's Word. This morning our scripture reading is from Isaiah chapter 35. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord. The splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor will any ferocious beast get up on it. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. This morning our text is in the last verses of chapter 7 of the Gospel according to Mark, verses 31 to 37. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged him to place his hand on the man. After he took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephata, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened. His tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus, Reverend Martin Klein was the pastor of a Dutch refugee church in London, England. Reverend Klein is better remembered today by his Latinized name, Martin Micron. Because of heavy persecution in the Netherlands, many Reformed believers fled to England and they established a Dutch-speaking church in London. Martin Micron, or Martin Klein, 
was one of the pastors of that church. And in 1552, he wrote a catechism for the instruction of the small children of the church. And in this catechism, at a certain point, he mentions those who are deaf. And he says that those who are born deaf cannot believe. They cannot believe because they cannot hear the word of God. Nevertheless, like the infant children in the church, like the babies, for the sake of Christ, the deaf are blessed. They are regarded as holy, righteous, clean, and faithful. Now you might be thinking to yourself that Micron was a bit extreme in saying this because after all, there is such a thing as sign language. But did you know that sign language was not invented until 1620? And without sign language, it would have been nearly impossible to communicate with a deaf person. Also, virtually impossible to teach such a person how to read. In the 16th century, if you were deaf, you were cut off from communication in so many ways. You would have also been cut off from the Word of God. And of course, that would also mean that there would be no way for you to speak of the riches of God and of the gospel. No way to sing God's praises. And if that was true in the 1500s, it was just as true in the days of the Lord Jesus. To have been born deaf would mean that you were an outcast in so many ways. You wouldn't have been able to communicate in any meaningful way with the people around you. You wouldn't be able to know what they're saying to you, apart from some basic hand gestures. They wouldn't be able to understand what comes out of your mouth either because you've never heard people speak. You don't know language. That would create problems in society, but it would also be a barrier in relation to God. You could never hear God's word. And then you would never be able to share God's word with others either. Now today, those who are born deaf and those who become deaf have a lot more going for them. Sign language and lip reading have been enormous blessings for the deaf. Today, many churches provide signing for their deaf members. The RCUS, the Reformed Church in the United States, which is one of our sister churches, even has a congregation made up entirely of deaf Reformed believers. The whole church service is silent, and the pastor stands at the front, and he signs for the congregation. Nobody speaks. Things are much different. Today, it's possible for those who are deaf to hear the word of God in their own language. But in our text, we encounter a man who lived long before these advances. Here was a man who lived his life in utter silence. Here was a man for whom the way was blocked. For the word of God. And the Lord Jesus came and a way was cleared for the word. And that's our theme as I proclaim to you God's word this morning. The Lord Jesus clears a way for the word. We're going to see a broken man, a bizarre cure, and a bewildered crowd. Last week we witnessed the Lord Jesus healing the daughter of a Syrophoenician woman. 
Christ was in a Gentile region and he revealed further that he restores and redeems not only Jews, but also Gentiles who believe in him. And our text begins by telling us that Jesus left that Gentile region, Tyre and Sidon, and then he traveled around a bit and then eventually ended up back in the region of the Decapolis. Now the Lord Jesus, if you remember, had been in this region before. This is where he healed the demon-possessed garrison in Mark 5. Now the important thing for us to note is that this too was a Gentile region. Building on what the Lord Jesus says in the last passage, we could say that the children have had their fill. The Jews have had their fill. The spoiled children don't want the bread he has to offer. And so now he continues giving it to the quote-unquote dogs. He continues to go to the Gentiles. And the Decapolis is where he does this. The Decapolis, literally the region of the ten cities, Deca, ten, polis, cities. The Decapolis was a region located towards the southeast of the Sea of Galilee, on the eastern side of the Jordan River. There were some Jewish people living in this area, but most were Gentiles. They were unclean, uncircumcised, foreigners to the promises of God and to his covenant. And in verse 32, we encounter this broken man. We're not told whether he was Jewish or Gentile, but from the context, I think we can safely assume that he was indeed a Gentile. Mark tells us that he was deaf and that he could hardly speak. In other words, this means that he was born deaf. As I mentioned a moment ago, if you're born deaf, it becomes difficult to speak properly. Most likely, this man didn't know how to speak at all. Probably all he could do was just make some sounds. This man was broken in so many ways. When God created Adam, he created him with the ability to hear. Adam could hear God's voice in the garden. Adam could hear the voice of Eve, his wife. When God created Adam, he created him with the ability also to speak. Adam named the animals. When Eve was presented to him at the first marriage ceremony, he rejoiced at seeing the bone of his bones and the flesh of his flesh. Adam spoke and he called her woman. She was taken out of man. This was the way that it was designed to be. Human beings who can hear with their ears and speak with their mouths. Human beings who can live in relationships and who can communicate in meaningful ways. Sin changed all that. Eve used her ears to listen to the voice of the serpent. She used her mouth to speak a lie to Adam. Adam used his ears to listen to the lie. When God confronted him, he used his lips and tongue to blame his wife. And even, in a roundabout way, to blame God. The fall into sin introduced the abuse of the ears and the mouth. It introduced spiritual deafness and slurred speech. After the fall, without the Holy Spirit, 
people cannot and will not listen to the voice of God. They are deaf to Him. Often, also, their speech is slurred. And if they do make beautiful noises with their mouths, God-glorifying noises with their mouths, it's in spite of themselves. And so there is spiritual deafness and there is spiritual slurred speech after the fall. But then the fall also introduced disease and dysfunction into the world. After the fall, we see men and women whose physical ears don't function the way they were designed to. After the fall, because of the fall, we see people who can't speak properly, people with speech impediments, can't use their physical lips and tongues properly. We live in a broken world, don't we? And there are broken people all around us. This man was one of the broken. His life had been vandalized by the fall. And while he was surely a sinner, there was nothing to suggest, there's nothing to suggest in our text that his condition was caused by any sin in particular of his own or of his parents. Mark presents him to us simply as a man living in a broken world, suffering the horrible consequences of the fall. He'd never heard the sound of beautiful music. He'd never known the joy of singing to a beautiful melody. He'd never heard the laughter of children. He'd never known the joy of hearing a a good friend tell a hilarious joke. All that was lost on him. But above all, in this condition, he would never have been able to hear the preaching and teaching of Jesus Christ. It's now established in Mark's Gospel that Christ is also for the Gentiles. And now this Gentile man comes into the picture. He comes into contact with the one who has the words of life. And he has a physical condition that excludes him, that blocks him from hearing the good news and believing it. He was missing out on so much. And even though that was true, he still, he still had people around him who cared for him. And some people bring this man to Jesus. Who are these people? Well, Mark doesn't tell us. We could guess and we could say that they were either friends or family. They bring him to the Lord and they beg Jesus to place his hands on the man. They beg him. That means that they recognized his authority and his power. You see, you don't demand things from the Lord Jesus. You beg him. You plead with him. You request, but you never, ever order him around. He's the Lord. And they recognize that. And they beg him to heal this deaf man. Their hearts break for him, and they can't stand to see him like this for one day longer. The deaf man can't speak for himself, but they speak for him. And they ask Jesus to fix what is broken, to restore and repristinate what has been vandalized. 
At this point in his ministry, the Lord Jesus is moving towards a greater and greater emphasis on his preaching and teaching, which is the the central focus of his work on earth. He didn't come to be a famous miracle worker who takes center stage everywhere he goes so that people can fawn over him for all the tricks that he can do. And so he takes the deaf man aside to a quieter place, away from the crowds. And then he does something that seems really bizarre. At least, it seems to be bizarre at first glance. He thrusts his fingers into the man's ears. And then he spits on his fingers and then he he touches the man's tongue. You may be thinking, oh, it's kind of gross. Why, why does Christ do these things? Now probably the best explanation is that this was a, a form of nonverbal communication. By putting his fingers in his ears, Jesus was saying, listen, there's something wrong with your ears, but I'm going to fix it. Saliva though it may sound odd to us, saliva was often considered to be some something like medicine in the days of Jesus. By applying saliva to the man's tongue, Jesus was saying, there's something wrong with your speech, but I'm going to fix it. And so what appears to be bizarre to us might not have been so bizarre to the deaf man, to Jesus or to anyone watching or hearing about it afterwards. Then Jesus looked up into heaven and sighed deeply. Now these are words that are easy to glance over. But they're actually full of meaning. They're full of the gospel. He looks up into heaven. And that's the posture of prayer. The Lord Jesus looks up to His Father in heaven. He does the very thing that every child of God should do. And He does it in the place of every child of God. Obediently following God's will for His children. As the Son of God, He looks to His Father and He sighs deeply. Expressing his utter frustration with the brokenness that exists in this age. He became a human being, and he lived among us, and he sensed profoundly the destructive results of the fall into sin. He saw with his own eyes. He saw this sorry man and the awful pain in his life. He heard it with his own ears. He heard the pleading and the begging of the man's friends. The Lord Jesus then opened his mouth and he did what any man with an ounce of compassion would do. He sighed. And as he he did that, he was saying, Father, what a messed up world this is. What a broken man is standing here in front of me. I'm so frustrated. I'm so upset by what I I see and hear. Please do something about this. Loved ones, that was your Savior then. 
And He continues to be our Savior now. Your Savior. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Today, the world continues to exist under the curse. Under the destructive results of the fall. We see it in our own lives, don't we? Disease. Disorder. Death. Dysfunctional relationships. Family and marriage breakdown. Economic troubles. Unemployment. Addiction. The list goes on and on. What does the Lord Jesus do today? When He sees His younger brothers and sisters, when He sees us living in the midst of this, if He sighed to His Father for this Gentile man, how much more do you think that He would sigh for you? For you. For one for whom His blood was shed on the cross. The Lord Jesus is our great high priest. And that means that today He constantly intercedes for us. He prays for us before the throne of our Father in heaven. And our Father always listens to His Son. He hears His sighs for us. And He promises He promises to bring us restoration and deliverance at His appointed time. The human flesh of Jesus Christ at the right hand of God is the iron-clad guarantee that it will happen. He promises that the age is coming when He will wipe away all our tears and all the brokenness and all the hurt and all the disappointments that we've had in this life. It will all be a distant memory. He sighed deeply. After sighing deeply, the Lord directed His attention again to the man, and then He spoke to him. He spoke to a deaf man who had never heard a word in his life. He spoke to a deaf man in a language that he had never heard. While Aramaic was the common language in the Decapolis, this deaf man had never heard a word of Aramaic. Jesus says in Aramaic, Ephata. Ephata. That means be opened. And suddenly, miraculously, the man was able to hear. His ears were opened. And not only that, but the chains fell off his tongue. That's what the Greek literally says. The chains fell off his tongue. And the slurred sounds disappeared to be replaced by the clear, correct speech in a language the man had never learned. This man who was deaf and tongue-tied is now able to communicate clearly and distinctly This is actually the first instance of speaking in tongues that we find in the New Testament. Here we see a man suddenly speaking in a language that he had never learned. It's amazing. It's prophetic of the mind-blowing work that the Lord Jesus would do among all the nations of the earth. 
He would send his apostles with the message of the gospel. The Holy Spirit would go with them. The almighty Holy Spirit of Christ. And everywhere, throughout the nations of the earth, the Holy Spirit would open ears and restore speech. Through His Spirit, the Lord Jesus would open the way for the Word everywhere. And today we continue to need the work of the Spirit also among us. We need the Spirit to open our ears so that the Gospel can enter in. We need the Spirit so that when the Gospel enters in, it is believed and it is embraced, it's taken hold of. We need the Holy Spirit so that our lips and tongues would clearly sing the praises of our God and King. We need Him so that God would restore our speech to what it was designed to be so that we can return to glorifying Him with our every utterance. Brothers and sisters, young and old, we need to constantly pray for the work of the Holy Spirit among us. Without Him, we would be spiritually deaf and our speech would be slurred. For open ears and plain speaking, we depend entirely on the Spirit of Christ Jesus. If we are to hear the Lord Jesus, we need Him to open our ears. If we are to praise the Lord Jesus, we need Him to untie our tongues, to cast off the chains that are on our tongues. That's what Christ did that day in the Decapolis. And the last time he was in this region, he told the man he healed to go and spread the news among his friends and family. But here in verse 36, we find that Jesus now wants to keep things quiet. There was a time for telling and there was a time for not telling. And it seems here that this time for not telling has a lot to do with his approaching date with suffering and death. Also, he didn't want his healing activity to take center stage. What was the highest priority is what he preaches and teaches. And as we've seen, this miracle certainly serves that purpose. Opens the way for the preaching and teaching of the Lord Jesus for this man. But no matter how much he told people to keep a quiet word, still got around. In fact, the more he told them to keep it quiet, the more they disobeyed him. There was no way to win. Even in the Decapolis, even in this Gentile region, his fame and reputation would follow him everywhere. Verse 37 tells us that the crowds were bewildered and amazed at him. Overwhelmed with amazement, says our translation. And remember that these were Gentile crowds. These were Gentile crowds. In Mark 2, we read of a similar reaction among Jewish crowds. We hear people saying, we have never seen anything like this. Then in Mark 6, he came to his hometown. He came to Nazareth. And he tried to preach and teach what was really important. And he found that people weren't interested in his words. The same pattern seems to be happening now among the Gentiles. Like many today, they'll be happy, they'll be overjoyed to have him as an emergency room for their physical ailments. 
but they don't want the life-saving services of a spiritual surgeon. Mark reports some of the comments of these crowds at the end of verse 37, kind of summarizes them. And, and these are worthy of deeper consideration. First they said, he has done everything well. He has done everything well. What they meant was that everything that Jesus touches turns to gold. Without realizing it, these Gentiles were also pointing to Christ's role as the restorer of creation. He has done everything well. We could also translate that, he has made everything good. And that's strongly reminiscent of what we read about God's work of creation in Genesis 1.31. And the Lord Jesus was there too. He was there in Genesis 1 and 2. Through him all things were made. Now through him all things will be remade. All things will be recreated and restored. And what happens here with this deaf man is prophetic. It points ahead to what the Lord Jesus will do at the dawn of the age to come. There will be neither physical nor spiritual deafness in the new heavens and new earth. Everything will be as it should be. God's people will hear Him gladly with their own ears. And their mouths, their own mouths will be used in perfect harmony, to sing praises to Him forever. That's also what's prophesied in Isaiah 35, a passage we read earlier. That's alluded to in the last part of verse 37. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. In Isaiah 35, the deaf hearing and the mute speaking was a sign. It was a sign of the inauguration of the Messianic age. The Messianic age would see the end of deafness, muteness. The Messianic age would see an end to sighing. Frustration with the brokenness of this world. When Messiah would come and rule, the Jews expected all these things to happen. And now they are. If only in a small measure, and if only just the beginning. This is just the tip of the iceberg. The restoration of all things is just around the corner. So Mark's message, better the Holy Spirit's message to the Jews here in Mark 7 was to recognize what was happening in Jesus' ministry and embrace Him in faith. The first readers of Mark would have been reading this after His death and resurrection, after Jesus' death after His resurrection, after His ascension, after Pentecost. And they had to look beyond Jesus, the miracle worker. Jesus, the emergency room. They had to see Jesus as the Savior of the whole person. The one who heals both physical and spiritual defects. Who raises both the physical dead and the spiritually dead. They were called to see that the Lord Jesus is the fulfillment of all of God's promises and to rest and trust in Him. And loved ones, brothers and sisters, this text has exactly the same message 
for each one of us here this morning. Now, sadly, this is the end of our series on Mark. And there's one thing that I want you to take away from this. It's the central theme, the central question of Mark. And you've heard it from me many, many times. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Specifically, who is Jesus to you? Mark and the Holy Spirit who inspired him, they both want you to answer that question this morning by saying, brothers and sisters, you need to say this with me in your hearts. He is my Lord and Savior. He's the one who has opened my ears so that I can hear, so that I can understand So that I can believe the gospel of what He has done for me. What He has done for me in His life and in His death. Jesus is the one who has untied my tongue. So that I can clearly express how thankful I am for what He has done. He is the one who has unsealed my lips. So that I can sing out my love for Him. So that I can tell the world how impressed I am with my Savior and His person and His work. I'm overwhelmed with amazement that I can be His. Brothers and sisters, that's where the Holy Spirit wants to take us. And that's where He will take us as we continue to fix our eyes on Christ in faith. Let's pray together. Our Father, this world is so filled with brokenness and we echo the sighs of our elder brother, Jesus. We long for it to be all over and for him to return so that our redemption can be complete. There's nothing so precious and valuable on this earth, nothing more precious and valuable on this earth than our Savior, than being in your presence for eternity. We look forward to that so eagerly. And we thank you that we have the hope that springs eternal in Christ. Please help each of us to continue looking to him and to trust your promises in him. And Father, we also pray for those around us who are still deaf to you. For those whose speech is slurred and indistinct. Whose mouths do not sing your praises. Whose lips never make much of you. Please work with your spirit to clear a way for the word. To penetrate and to take root. So that miraculous changes can take place. We pray, Father, that you would do the same for each of us. You would do it for your glory so that we would always stand in awe of you and never hold back our words which magnify your worth. We pray in Christ our Savior and Lord. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.